Well, my friends, what do the following names have in common? Now, some of you will recognize these names, and if you don't, you're not a terrible person, okay? So don't get upset about anything. But what do the following names have in common? Before you answer, let me just give you these names. John and Mary Lou Cruzy. Chuck and Carla Sunberg. Dave and Sandy Allison. Terry and Tammy Hudson. Larry and Addie Garman. Roland and Linda Daoust. Daryl and Bev Price. So, what do those names have in common? Missionaries. That's right. They all have been missionaries, and I believe all of them at one time or another have visited our church, have preached here, and uh, some of you have gotten to know those missionaries really well. And by, by the way, who might remember where or what countries some of them have served? For example, John and Mary Lou Cruzy, where did they serve? Rwanda. I knew you knew that. Chuck and Carla Sunberg. Russia. They were our first missionaries to Russia. And uh, Dr. Carla Sunberg, was, not long ago, was elected as one of our general superintendents. Amen. And Dave and Sandy Ellison, Albania. Terry and Tammy Hudson, Albania and Romania, I believe. Larry and Addie Garman, Peru. Some of you have spent quite a, bit of, quite a bit of time in Peru. George, who else? Others of you went on the mission trips to Peru? All right. Yes. Uh, I, I, I don't know if you, some of you remember this, but I still remember Dr. Garman when he spoke at our church. It was in the previous church building, George. Um, he developed this skill where, where what do they call those? Uh, Blowguns? Blow he, was it you that he, he had stand? <laughs> I have one in my office. You got one in your office, George? Yeah, but do you remember he, he had someone stand against the wall? Uh, which, which brave soul was that? <laughs> and and he, shot, he shot the balloon from across the sanctuary. Anyway, all right. And uh, Roland and Linda Daoust were Vietnam, okay? Daryl and Bev Price served in Nigeria. And we could add some more to, to the list here. But the bottom line is we've had these and other wonderful missionaries representing Jesus Christ serve around the world. And, and, and this year, the Church of the Nazarene has 737 missionaries serving around the world. Isn't that wonderful? 737 missionaries. Praise God. All right. Well, here at Rosewood Church, along with hundreds of other local churches like ours, 
we believe, we believe in our missionaries and we want to pray for them regularly and we want to support them financially. We want to encourage them through notes, encourage them when they're occasionally here visiting with us. Amen? And I want to, I want to share this message with you today from Acts 13, 1 through 15 on the theme of why we believe in and why we support our marvelous missionaries. So turn, please, to Acts chapter 13. This is a beautiful passage of Scripture. Well, it's beautiful in many ways, but it's also sad in some other ways. All right. The story of the first two missionaries in the first century, Barnabas and Saul, the story is recorded here in Acts 13. And it's a story that gives us many excellent reasons for believing in and wanting to support our missionaries. So here is how the drama unfolds. Acts 13. In the church, I'm reading today, by the way, from the New International Version. In the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, called Niger, Lucy, Lucius of Cyrene, Manan, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, while they were worshiping, good things can happen while we're worshiping, you see? While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. The two of them, sent on their way by the Holy Spirit, went down to Seleucia and sailed from there to Cyprus. When they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the Jewish synagogues. John was with them as their helper. They traveled through the whole island until they came to Papos. There they met a Jewish sorcerer and false prophet named Bar-Jesus, who was an attendant of the proconsul Sergius Paulus. The proconsul, an intelligent man, sent for Barnabas and Saul because he wanted to hear the word of God. But Elimus the sorcerer, for that is what his name means, opposed them and tried to turn the proconsul from the faith. Then Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked straight at Elimus and said, You are a child of the devil and an enemy of everything that is right. You are full of all kinds of deceit and trickery. Will you never stop perver perverting the right ways of the Lord? Now the hand of the Lord is against you. You are going to be blind, and for a time you will, you will be unable to see the light of the sun. Immediately mist and darkness came over him, and he groped about, seeking someone to lead him by the hand. When the proconsul saw what had happened, he believed, for he was amazed at the teaching about the Lord. Verse 13. From Papos, Paul and his companions sailed to Perga in Pamphylia, where John left them to return to Jerusalem. From Perga, they went on to Pisidian Antioch. 
On the Sabbath they entered the synagogue and sat down. After the reading from the law and the prophets, the synagogue rulers sent word to them saying, Brothers, if you have a message of encouragement for the people, please speak. Please speak. My friends, in this passage, passage that we just read, we discover some beautiful reasons, marvelous reasons why you and I should pray for, should, uh, should appreciate the missionaries when they come to visit occasionally, and should support them financially. And the first, the first reason is this, okay? First reason is, number one, our missionaries have a calling from God Almighty. They have a calling. Uh, look at verse 2. It says, While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Now that's the New International Version translation from, from the Greek. Uh, the New Living Translation, by the way, says, Dedicate Barnabas and Saul for the special work to which I have called them. My friends, these early missionaries, these early missionaries were set apart. They were called by God to travel in the Mediterranean, to go to different places, to tell people about the love of Jesus. It was, it was their calling from the Lord. And many, many of our missionaries tell of a similar experience using different terminology. That is, many of our missionaries tell of how they felt God's call upon their lives. They felt God's call. Some of them speak of how they felt God's call as a child or a teenager. Some felt the call of God to become a missionary as an adult. And it doesn't matter when, but the good news is those missionaries of ours have been obedient and said, yes, Lord. Well, just as the Lord called Barnabas and Saul, and more recently missionaries such as the ones I mentioned earlier, um, it may be, it may be that the Lord is calling some, some, some of the children in our own church or some of the youth in our church. The Lord might be calling some of you adults to be missionaries in some other land, to be a missionary on behalf of Jesus right here in our own city. Amen? It may be that God is calling some to be a pastor or a youth pastor, to be a medical missionary, an evangelist, maybe a professor in a Christian college. And so I want to say to us, just as those first century missionaries were called, you and I need to be open to the Spirit of God and say, Lord, what are you calling me for? In, in what respect are you calling me? And um, what is it you want me to do? It may be that the Lord is calling you to be a, a great blessing, a great blessing to a specific person or a family that you, through your gifts and talents, your presence, uh, your, your support can be a great, a great help to someone. So, 
you and I have to ask ourselves that question. Will I be open to God's call in my own life? Let it be so, Lord. Let it be so. Now, we also need to realize that missionaries and others who are called by God end, end up being sent, being sent by God. Notice this in verse 4. In verse 4, uh, here it is on the screen. Why don't you read it with me, all right? The two of them sent on their way by the Holy Spirit went down to Seleucia and sailed from there to Cyprus, okay? They sailed away to Cyprus. Notice verse 4 says, the Holy Spirit sent Barnabas and Saul to specific places. Places to tell people the love of Jesus and how Jesus died on the cross to pay the price for their sins. Over the years, some of our missionaries have specifically felt sent by the Holy Spirit to specific countries. Some of you have talked with them. Some of the missionaries have felt like God directed them to a specific part of the world, to some, some group of people. And other missionaries have felt a definite call, but they left it up to the Church of the Nazarene World Mission Department to, uh, to direct them as to where there was the greatest need for them to serve on a mission field. And so it's wonderful when people are, are, are sensitive to the Spirit of God. Amen? And say, Lord, direct me, guide me. The Holy Spirit might not be sending you or me to a specific overseas country, but, as I mentioned earlier, is the Holy Spirit trying to send you and me to tell someone about Jesus? Perhaps he wants to direct you to a friend, a relative, a coworker, a cashier, a gas station attendant, that you might, you might share your faith in Jesus with them. You know, I was thinking about this and I thought, when you and I wake up each day, how about we pray? How about we pray and say, Lord, guide me. Guide me today to someone, to someone that, uh, that I can maybe tell, speak to, and tell them that Jesus loves them and that he wants to be their helper, he wants to be their companion, their, their friend in this life. I think that would be a wonderful, a wonderful step for each of us to take. In the morning, just take a moment and say, Lord, guide me today to help, help someone become aware of the love of Jesus. Radio listeners, radio listeners, I encourage you to do likewise, to wake up and say, Lord, guide me and direct me to someone that I can inspire by your Holy Spirit to put their faith and trust in Jesus. Amen? Amen. All right. Our missionaries have a calling from God Almighty. That's the first reason we want to be supportive of them in every respect. Here's a second reason that comes up in the scripture. Second reason is this. 
Our missionaries are our representatives in places or world areas where you and I will never be able to go. Verse 3 says, So after they, that is the church of that first century, after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off, and sent them off. Saul and Barnabas ended up going to a lot of places to preach the gospel, which most of the other Christians were not able to go to. In many ways, Saul and Barnabas were representatives of the first century church. In this present day and time, I shared with you earlier that the 737 missionaries in the church of the Nazarene are our representatives. They're our representatives in places uh, or world areas where you and I will probably never, never be able to get to. Although obviously through travel, a lot of us have, have gone to different places across the globe. Across the years, I've heard different people, and some of you are here in the sanctuary, I've heard different people tell of how it was because of a missionary, a missionary in your country, far away from here, that you came to faith and trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. Amen? It was because, whether it was someone in the Church of the Nazarene or some other denomination, someone had sent a missionary to the, the, the city, the town, or the village where you lived at, lived in, and uh, through your contact with that missionary, you came to faith and trust in the Lord. As I try to make a difference for Jesus here in Toronto, I'm encouraged knowing, knowing in the Church of the Nazarene, we have 737 missionaries, and there are and there are other denominations that have missionaries around the globe as well, representing us, representing you and me in places around the world that we will never get to. But be encouraged. We've got some wonderful missionaries doing their best for Jesus in those areas of the world where we will we'll never get to. Isn't that good to know? Amen? All right. Here's a third reason. Third reason we want to super support our missionaries. It is this. Why don't you read the third reason from, uh, from the big screen. Our missionaries proclaim the word of God. This comes out of verse 5 where it says, When they, Barnabas and Saul, arrived at Salamis. Uh, by the way, Salamis is... Uh, a town or a city on the east coast of Cyprus. Uh, the island of Cyprus was Barnabas's home, by the way, and Salamis was actually the, the largest city on Cyprus in that first century, just for your interest. So, Barnabas and Saul went over to Cyprus. Now, if you look at verse 5, it says, they proclaim the word of God in the Jewish synagogues. Okay, 
What does this mean? What does this mean, they proclaimed? Well, they proclaimed repentance and faith and trust in Jesus as Savior and Lord. That's what Paul, or Saul, as he was initially known, that's what Saul and Barnabas did. They proclaimed, declared, they taught repentance and faith and trust in Jesus as Savior and Lord. Now, how about you? How about each one of us? Have you accepted and responded to the truth which missionaries share and which we also proclaim in this church here at Rosewood Church of the Nazarene? Amen? Have you put your faith and trust in Jesus as your Savior and Lord? During this season of Lent, this is a wonderful time for you to make that spiritual decision to give your heart, to give your life to our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, when we read verse 5, uh, where it says, when they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the Jewish synagogues. Some of you, some of you have maybe wondered, why did Barnabas and Saul go to the Jewish synagogues to tell people about Jesus? Why? Well, it was because spiritually hungry people went to the Jewish synagogue. That's where they went. These early missionaries wanted to help the Jews to discover that Old Testament scriptures which were read and preached daily in, in the synagogue, they wanted the people to discover that those scriptures that they heard and read that, that they pointed to Jesus. That what, what they were really reading about ultimately pointed to the coming of Jesus. Uh, it was customary, by the way, for the synagogue leader to invite visiting rabbis to speak in the synagogue. The commentator in the Life Application Study Bible, New Living Translation, says this. He says, Paul and Barnabas usually had an open door when they first went to a synagogue. Listen to this. But as soon as they spoke about Jesus as Messiah, the door would often slam shut. They were usually not invited back by the religious leaders, and sometimes they would be thrown out of town. That's what happened. Verse 5 also tells us John was with Saul and Barnabas as their helper. This, this was that younger John Mark, who was a cousin of Barnabas, just for your interest. And verse 6 then goes on and tells us that they traveled through the whole island, the whole island of Cyprus, until they came to Papos, P-A-P-H-O-S, which was about 160 kilometers from Salamis and was on the western coast of, of Cyprus. So they went from the east coast, stopping, as, stopping at as many villages or towns as they could on their way to the west coast. Um, Papos, apparently, I didn't know this uh, until I was reading in preparation for today, Papos was the, the headquarters for the Roman rule, apparently. Now, the missionary team basically went from the east coast 
to the west, proclaiming the word of God. They were, they were doing what God had called them by his Holy Spirit to do. They were trying to share the good news of Jesus. And, and that's what our missionaries do. Some of them end up staying in one country for many years. Some of them stay in one country for perhaps a shorter period of time. It varies given all the various circumstances. But let's be in great support of our missionaries who proclaim the word of God. Amen? Amen. Here's a fourth reason why we want to be totally supportive of our missionaries. Our missionaries often sacrifice. Verse 6 says, They traveled through the whole island until they came to Papos. Now that might not sound like real sacrifice, but, but later we discover that they traveled to many other places and were away from their families. On the one hand, there is excitement in travel for any missionary. That's true, isn't it? This soon, however, wears off. It wears off, and in the case of most missionaries, where are most of, of the, 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 their immediate family members? Where are most of their immediate family members? Usually, they're thousands of miles away, right? Usually, they're thousands, thousands of miles away. And being far away from family is one of the biggest difficulties for any missionary. And that, for many, is a huge sacrifice. Perhaps our missionaries' willingness to sacrifice can inspire you and me, can inspire us to, to do likewise, to do likewise. As, for instance, we give to world missions, or sometimes we call it world evangelism in these weeks ahead as we approach Easter. Let's, let's think of how the sacrifice of our missionaries can inspire you and me, all of us, to, uh, to sacrifice from our end. As, as many of you know, we've had it printed in the bulletin, our goal, our goal is to give $60,000 for world missions or world evangelism by the end of April. To date, we have raised nearly 32,000, which means we, we have to raise $28,000 more between now and April the 30th. The simple truth is you and I will have to sacrifice to reach our goal. So, you can see it on the screen. Our world mission or world evangelism goal by April 30th is 60,000. We have received 32,000. I was thinking about this, and I thought, what might be one plan? What might be one plan by which, by the end of April, we could reach our total goal of 60,000? What might be one plan? Well, here is, here is a possibility. Show the first 
the first point there. Possibility is one person can give $10,000. All right? Next. Another person can give $5,000. All right? Moving along, how about if five people each give $1,000? There's another 5,000. And if 10 people each give 500, there's 5,000 more. 10 people give each $100, there's another 1,000. Uh, 20 people each give $50, there's 1,000. And 40 people each give uh, $25, there's another 1,000. And there's your total, 28,000. Can you see it on the screen? Okay, somehow, so, okay, we ran out of space on the screen, but that's okay. But there's, there's the total. There it is. All right? Now, I know what some of you are thinking. Some of you are thinking, uh, oh, well, Pastor Nick, there are a lot of other possibilities. Of course there are. You're smart people. You know that. I just came up with one possibility here. But I... I as an experienced pastor, however, I also know, I also know that in order for us to reach, to reach that 28,000, we need, we need a group of us to give some, some larger gifts, such as 10,000, such as 5,000, such as 1,000. I want to challenge us here today May, more importantly, may, may God's Spirit, may God's Spirit challenge us and challenge each one of you, each one of us. May God's Spirit challenge us in these next few weeks to give very generously to support our missionaries. I want to ask you to pray and say, Lord, what would you like me to give? And over the years, I've been amazed how when we pray and I pray like that, God directs us. God directs us. And so I want to invite you to sincerely seek God and ask. Ask him, Lord, do you want me to give 10,000 for missions in the next few weeks? Lord, do you want me to give 5,000? Do you want me to give one of the other amounts or some other specific amount? But I want to encourage us to say, Lord, how would you direct me? Amen? Amen? A little quiet here. A little quiet. Amen. Isn't it marvelous? There's so many other passages of, scriptures, uh, passages of Scripture that teach us that when we are generous with the Lord's work, and especially with world missions, world evangelism, God, God blesses his people. God blesses his people. It's incredible. It's marvelous. Okay, let me take you to the next truth, another reason why we want to support our missionaries. Number five. Our missionaries persevere through many trials and hard times. This, uh, this comes out in verses 6 through 10, 
I want you to notice what, what Saul, who came to be known as Paul, I want you to notice what, what he and Barnabas went through in this instance, beginning at, at verse 6 here. Okay? All right, in verse 6. They traveled through the whole island until they came to Papos. There they met a Jewish sorcerer and false prophet named Bargesus, who was an attendant of the proconsul, Sergius Paulus. The proconsul, an intelligent man, sent for Barnabas and Saul because he wanted to hear the word of God. But Elimus, or Elimus, the sorcerer, for that is what his name means, opposed them and tried to turn the proconsul from the faith. Then Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked straight at Elimus and said, You are a child of the devil and an enemy of everything that is right. You are full of all kinds of deceit and trickery. Will you never stop perverting the right ways of the Lord? So what do we find here? What do we observe? Well, in this part of the story, prophet Bar-Jesus and sorcerer Elimus, known as also sorcerer Elimus, are, 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 are spoken of. And, and at first, at first it might sound like it's actually two different people, but as I studied it, most likely the, um, the Bible scholars say, most likely the two different names and descriptions are actually of the same person. The same person, okay? These first century missionaries had to face a lot of problem people in preaching the gospel and um, they went through a lot of heartaches. They went through a lot of, a lot of difficulties. Listen, listen to what missionary Paul says in um, 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Don't you turn to it, but here. Listen to what Paul says. This dear missionary in verse 23, the second part of it, he says, I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my own countrymen, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false brothers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. Paul had to persevere through many trials and tribulations. What I just read is a summary of what he, what he went through. My friends... Our missionaries must also persevere through many trials and hard times. I'm sure that some of our missionaries have never had it as difficult as did Paul. Sadly, some have had it even worse than Paul. Some have had it even worse. 
when you and I give generously, at least, at least it helps our missionaries to put food on the table, have shelter over their heads, and provide other basic necessities. And they are dependent upon churches like ours and hundreds, thousands of other Nazarene churches around the world to help support the mission cause of Jesus Christ. Amen? Our missionaries persevere through many hardships and the hard times. That's also a reminder to us to pray for them, to pray for them, pray for them as a church family, pray for them individually. Amen? How wonderful it is to know that God provides us with many wonderful reasons for us to, to pray for, encourage, and financially support our missionaries. They are an extension of a local church like us. And I want to thank you as a church family for our faithful giving to world missions across the years. We have always met our, our goals in all the years that this church has existed. We have met our mission goal and, uh, and in one of the letters recently when we celebrated the burning of our mortgage, in one of the letters, I think it was from Dr. Ian Fitzpatrick, he made mention of how in the process of all that we've had going on here in our church, we have never neglected our outside responsibilities. And he was referring to matters such as world missions. I'm sure of that. So thank you for your faithfulness in the past and your faithfulness now in the present. And so as we look ahead to these weeks, let's pray for our missionaries. And some of you have names and addresses of them. Write them a note. Send them an email. Tell them. Tell them your pastor preached a whole message on, on why, why we should support our missionaries and why we should appreciate them and stand by them. Amen.